Hey queens, hey kings, what's up good people? I am Sharana Reeves and you are listening to These Three Things Podcast, Season 4. Welcome back to the second episode of Season 4. If you have not had a chance to listen to the first episode, which dropped a couple of weeks ago uh, with Dr. Brandy Moore talking about our hormones, the hormonal care for men and women, uh, then you got to go back and check it out because Dr. Brandy educated us A lot of people reached out to me and said, Dr. Brandy may have just saved my life. Dr. Brandy put me on notice. Dr. Brandy convicted me in a big way. I had a good male friend of mine reach out and say, Dr. Brandy is talking about me. I need to get up and get moving and get back active in my life. So uh, if that episode enhanced your life in any way, made you check yourself, made you get moving, made you start eating better, made you realize that you need to start taking better care of yourself, or if it just educated you on hormonally how you can transition from different seasons of your life more gracefully, then that's what the episode was about. For me, I'm 50 years old. I am starting to notice my hormones kind of doing different things in this season of my life. Just like everything else and everyone else, I don't want to go through menopause kicking and screaming. And I know there's got to be a better way to do it. And if you are in that stage and in that season and going through that process, this is a great episode for you to listen to because uh, I am not in menopause yet. I am what's called perimenopausal. If you listen to the episode, we talk more in depth about that. But I want to prepare myself for when I, I am officially in menopause, that I'm not kicking and screaming, that I am gracefully going through the process and I'm going to get to the other side intact without ripping anybody's head off. <laughs> If that's at all possible. So I'm always trying to think ahead of how, you know, I can be better as I'm moving forward. As I'm thinking of me, I am thinking of you, my listeners, and wanting to share with you what I'm learning. So if it can bless you, then let it bless you. So I really am excited for you guys to to listen to today's episode with Nikisha Jones. Nikisha is the owner of Premier Business Solutions in Savannah, Georgia. And with this season four, I do want to talk about finances a little bit more. And every time I start talking about money, I think about that Kanye West song, you know, wait till I get my money right. Yeah, it's time, y'all. It's time for all of us to have our money right out here in the world for real. Like it's time to no longer be living paycheck to paycheck. It's time to have some accountability to what we're doing with our finances and what we're teaching our children about finances. And I have to give kudos to a super friend of mine who's always been at me about my money. And I have made some great money over the years. I've not always managed my money the way I should. But this friend of mine has stayed consistent with me and made sure that I have invested my money and continue to invest my money. And that's a good friend of mine named Andre Lester. Shout out to you, Andre, because I know you are going to listen to this episode because it is about money. Andre, I think you're 56, if I'm not mistaken. Andre's already retired, y'all. Beautiful home paid for, just bought a Tesla paid for. This brother was about his money in his 20s and at 56 is retired. So I give a shout out to you, Andre. You have always been my inspiration and I love uh, working with you to help me make sure that my finances are where they're supposed to be uh, in life. So I just wanted to give a shout out to you for that because I am truly grateful for you and your friendship and your consistency on staying with me 
and on me about my money. So for season four, I want to gradually talk about money throughout the season and we're going to start at the base level. So for some of you who are listening today, you may be past budgeting. You may be wanting to hear more more about investing your money and ways to invest your money, how to get involved in investing your money in the stock market and other places. Some people are big into Bitcoin and things like that. We will be talking about that later on in the season. But today I want to start at the base level. If you're not giving any account for your money, if you're just spending willy-nilly, if you don't even know where all your money is going. You've never done a budget, but you know that you need to get serious about your finances and start doing better. This episode is for you. Nikisha is talking to us in a very simplified way about how to just start a budget, how important it is to start a budget. And so I'm excited for you to hear what she shares. I think on my show, I do my best to try to work with people and bring people to interview that can talk to my listeners and share with my listeners in a very practical and simplified way so that we can be successful. Sometimes we don't need the heavy and the deep. Sometimes we just need, give it to me simple and tell me how to get started so I can run with this thing. And I think that that is what Nikisha is excellent in doing is is talking about budgeting in a very simplified way that any of us can get started at any time if we really are ready to get serious about our money. So I'm super excited to share this episode with you. I'm not going to take up too much time because I want to get into it. And then don't forget to wait and listen to the three things at the end because uh, I got some good three things to share with you guys that we all need to hear in various parts of our lives, including our money. So enjoy this episode with Nikisha Jones, owner of Premier Business Solutions. Mind your budget. For almost a century, Scarrett Bennett Center's historic Gothic campus has been a choice location for dream weddings in Nashville. Consistently rated one of Music City's best places to get married by The Knot, Wedding Wire, and Toast of Nashville, Scarrett Bennett Center offers three timeless venues for your wedding, a 20-person elopement chapel, a 300-person wedding chapel, and a breathtaking garden. From rehearsal to reception, Scarrett Bennett Center is ready to help you create the intimate, historic wedding of your dreams. Visit our website at scarrettbennett.org forward slash weddings for more information. And I'm so excited to be talking with her today. So welcome the owner of Premier Business Solutions, Nikisha Jones. Nikisha, welcome to these three things. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. So let's talk about, okay, so y'all all know I'm going to talk about how I know Nikisha, okay? And uh, Nikisha and I were just laughing about this story because this is, you know, real life. Things just, y'all know, I will, you know, approach people and talk about this show. Y'all know that my former life, I was a college women's basketball coach and I was a recruiter. So I will recruit you now. If it's a conversation I want to have, I will recruit you. I am still recruiting. And so I'm actually in church and Nikisha and I attend the same church, Hope City Church in Savannah, Georgia. And um, Pastor Corey, our pastor, was talking about finances and he was talking about buying homes and getting our finances straight. And it dawned on me that I had never had an episode about finances on these three things, about black women and our finances, black women and our money. And I was sitting in church and I'm thinking, dang, I need to do that. And I was like, well, I don't know any women in finance. And the Lord was like, yeah, you do. 
And I looked over and I saw Nikisha and I remembered I went to an event one time. I think it was last year when we had the girl from um, Facebook, Nona Jones. Mm-hmm. Isn't it Nona? Yes. Yep, Nona Jones. Uh, she came and spoke with us and she just came out with a new book, too. I was seeing. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I like Nona. Nona's Nona's sharp. And so I came to that conference and I remembered you speaking and I was like, okay, so she's in finances at the church. I was like, but Lord, I don't know her. He said, well, you don't know any of these people, but you go and introduce yourself and just talk. So I walked up to her after church and I was like, hey, and I introduced myself to Nikisha and I told her what I was going to do. And just like that, she was like, yeah, I'll do it. So here we are. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. So I truly appreciate you taking the time to come and talk with uh, me about black women, our finances. We're going to talk y'all about budgeting. We're going to talk about how to manage our money, how to save our money. And then let's just talk some real talk about why we get in the financial situations that we do, how to protect ourselves. For my young listeners, some of my older listeners, we've probably made some of the mistakes that we're going to talk about here. But then I know a lot of people still to this day that don't have budgets that need to be budgeting. And budgeting is not always for, and correct me if I'm wrong, Nikisha, budgeting is not always for folks who are broke. No. No, not at all. Budgeting tells you where your money is going. It gives your money uh, a name, an assignment. So um, I always look at, you know, if I set money aside, I always say, okay, this is for vacation. (laughs) This is for savings. So when you give your money an assignment, then it actually does what you give it to do. A lot of times we don't give our money. So we don't give an assignment. We just willy nilly out there spending money when we don't even know where it's going. And at the end of the day, we always say, man, I just had all that money. Where'd it go? And now we're looking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so before we get into it, because Nikisha, you you work in the church. You work at Hope City in financing. What is your role with the church? So I'm the director of operations and finance. So I handle all the financials for the church, um, presenting those financials to our board, um, all the contracts that we enter into. I review those, making sure that they're in order to make sure that we're stewarding our money correctly basically I, I consider myself a servant of the church um and stewarding the church's the funds that our members give because we're responsible for that and how we manage that so that's what I do at the church wow okay we're gonna get off into that because this is a conversation I want to have about Mr. Creflo Dollar and his thoughts about tithing and I want to talk about tithing as well as far as our money is concerned uh later on but Tell me a little bit about how you chose finance, because I'm always interested in people and like why we choose the career paths that we choose and what led you to money, budgeting, finance. What happened? Well, to be honest, I actually started college with a pre-law mindset, (laughs) political science. I wanted to be a corporate attorney. I had no no indication of going into finance. Let's just say that. That wasn't even a thought in my mind. But then I went to my first political science pre-law class and I was like, oh, this is a snoozer. I got to go. (laughs) It was not for me. So I dropped the class and I went into criminal justice. So I'm a planner. So then I go and I look at all the jobs that I can get with a criminal justice degree. I was like, I don't want to do none of that stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to finance. Now I started again looking at those jobs. Oh yeah, I can do that stuff. Not knowing where where that would lead me, and that desire. And I got into finance, and I've been there ever since. I got my bachelor's in finance from Georgia Southern, and then I went and get my master's in accounting and financial management from DeVry Keller School of Gra- Graduate Management. So 
I love it. I love the numbers. I love um, figuring out different things on um, the financial parts of our lives. Let me say this. I love the fact that in college, you were not afraid to switch it up because so many people will know that they're about to get a degree in something they do not really want to do and won't turn back from it because they just don't want to switch course. When you said that you got into finance, you found your thing because not only was it something that was going to pay you what you felt you wanted to make out here in this world, but it was something that you loved. I go back now and I think, like, I loved math. I love figuring out the equations and figuring out how the numbers worked. And it didn't dawn on me until later on in college that that's why I went into finance, that I've always enjoyed math. I've always enjoyed the numbers. So um, now I'm glad that I did that, even though it put me back maybe a semester, but I did do one of your moves. I was like, I'm graduating in May. I'm taking 18 hours this semester. Um, My Tuesdays and Thursdays were jam-packed, but I needed to do what I needed to do to graduate, you know, on time. So um, I'm glad I, I, I changed that, that path because I don't think my, my life will be set up the way it, it has been. Okay, so let's talk about budgets. I know you mentioned that budgets, you know, they, they give some direction to where your money is going. It tells you where your money is going. Okay, why do you feel in the black community because this is a podcast for black women I know all people listen and all people are welcome to listen to these three things especially my kings I know you kings are always listening and y'all send me emails and tell me how you feel but for black women why do you feel that we don't create budgets for ourselves I think and now nowadays and even 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 before social media got out there we wanted to be in we wanted to have the nice things. We wanted to have, I, and I'm, hey, I'm speech, preaching to the choir because I'm one of the ones. I wanted to have the nice things. I wanted to have a nice car and not really looking at the cost of that and how we don't have a healthy retirement, what it's going to look like when we when we retire after we stop working um, and not having a healthy savings. What if that nice car needs maintenance and you don't have the money for it? Now we're going into debt to try to fix it. Um, just things like that. It just, we, we don't see the ripple effect of how we spend our money now and not sh- just willy nilly and going to get our nails done. Our ha- and, that's, and that's totally fine. Grand, Cause I get my hair and my nail and my toes done, <laughs> but it's in the budget. <laughs> It's in the budget, you know, so I'm not saying that you can't enjoy the luxuries of life, but give it an assignment. You know, this is my personal. I have five hundred dollars to spend on myself every uh, a month. That's including everything that I do for myself, you know, um, and then that way you don't feel so bad about about spending extra money you know what I saved five hundred dollars just for me to do this okay I'm cool you know and it makes you feel better that you're really grown up and yes we can be 40 45 50 60 oh you know what I'm actually growing up right now yes yeah okay so let's talk about for a woman who is listening she has no budget but what you just said inspired her where does she start Nikisha so you start with what you bring in you got a job, whatever you bring in on a monthly basis. I would say I would start with after taxes, what you actually bring home, you know, what you bring home. And then I would start with a savings account. Now, 
I suggest, and I, I, I'm a test to this, I suggest putting a, put your money in a savings account that you, that's not attached to your current account and have it automatically go there because we know us. And if I see my checking and my savings all at the same time, I'm going to borrow from my savings and never pay it back when I actually see it. But if it's in a different account somewhere else, <laughs> for me, it's in Capital One. I don't have checks. I don't have a credit card or debit card for that account. I don't have anything. It automatically goes over there and I don't see it. So by the time I go, you know what? I didn't say $20 and I didn't even know it because you're not looking at it. And we have a tendency of, and I'm, I say we, cause I'm speaking for myself, being able to see the money, borrowing it. I'm gonna pay you back savings. I'm gonna pay you back. And savings is just dwindling and dwindling and dwindling down. So I would say about 10% of uh, your and this is not saying 10% of like tithing, but I say 10% of your 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 net pay that you bring home, put that in savings. You know, $100, $50, whatever you can do based on your, again, based on your budget. If your budget says, you know what, I can actually do $25, do the $25. You, you, it just start, actually start somewhere with that. And then from there, um, list out all of your expenses, your rent, your utilities, your in car insurance, your car payments, even your car credit card, your credit card payments. List all that out. And at the end of the day, you can see where what you have left. And then from there, you can decide, OK, I'm going to put a little bit more in savings. Oh, you know what? I'm going to add a little bit more to groceries because you got you to gotta list all of that stuff out. And the best way to I would say for things like groceries and I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of him. I'm not a huge fan. But Dave Ramsey gave a great example using the envelope system and using your not everything for the envelope system, but maybe groceries. You know, I say I, I'm going to budget two hundred dollars for groceries. Put that take that two hundred dollars out of your account, put it in the envelope and then go shopping. Then that way you're not using your debit card to spend that money because if we if we notice ourselves when we use that debit card we always spend more because we're not thinking about about yeah because I know how much I have in my account Mm -hmm. but if I have two hundred dollars that's so true if I have two hundred dollars in the envelope and I know this is all I have to spend as I'm putting things in my buggy I'm aware of what it's costing and how it's going to get to two hundred dollars yes and I remember (laughs) so vividly when my my I'm the oldest of four and my dad would go grocery shopping, and specifically my dad, he would go grocery shopping, and he would give me the calculator. And as he would put things in the cart, I would calculate how much it it was that went in the cart. And then by the time we got to the to the register, outside of taxes, of course, he would know how much it cost, wh- how much food was in the, in the buggy. in a buggy, yes, that we need to uh, pay for. And I know exactly how much that costs. And I started thinking, I'm like, man, why don't we do that anymore? Mm-hmm. Now, gra- now, it's it may seem mundane, it may seem crazy, but if you really want to see where your money goes, you gotta look at it. You can't manage what you can't maintain, and you can't you can't see if you can't see where your money's going, you'll never know. You'll always be broke. And I realize I'm realizing that now. Like, you know what? When I seen <laughs> one of my friends posted $67 for a four four pound rack of ribs I couldn't say anything I, I, I was speechless 
And if we don't, if we don't, I, and we're in, we're in a, we're in a recession right now. I don't care if we are on all. No, we are in a recession right now. We are in it, and if, and prices are going up. This is a great time for us to sit down, look at our finances, and you don't have to do it once a year. I suggest doing it three every three six months because things change. Things change. Like right now, I'm looking at I'm re I'm re looking at my car insurance. I'm looking to refinance a few things. That okay? Is it is it best for me to do this right now? And that's how we got to look at our money. And when God sees that we're we're stewarding our money better, then that's when the extra, then you can say, oh, you know, I got an extra $1,000. Add that to your income. And then you'll be able to see things. And it's not just somebody gave you $1,000. You're actually stewarding enough that now you found $1,000 that you didn't didn't know you had. Yes. And, you know, something that you said I think is so good because a lot of people feel like, and myself, I, I have thought this before, that well, if I start budgeting my money, that means that's going to be less for me. But when you said the part about you take out for you, because women, we, we do want to be taken care of. I want my nails to be done. I want to get my feet done. I don't want to feel like I'm working and I'm never getting to enjoy anything that I'm earning. So I think that's so good what you said about take money out for yourself. Now, if you know you can't afford to take out $1,500 for yourself, don't take out $1,500, ladies. <laughs> you know, take out, you know, if only if all you can afford to do for yourself on a monthly basis is $250, then, girl, you get to choose what you do with that $250. You know, however you choose to spend it, you know, it's still for you. But like you said, as you're shepherding and, and managing your money, You'll see more money come back, and then later on, it's in your three-month look at, look back, and double check. You may be able to add another hundred dollars to that. Okay, now I can give myself three fifty, maybe. Yep. You know, so I think that's good because we do want to feel like that we are getting something out of the time that we go to work. Absolutely, and I, I'm like I said, I am a proponent. I'm always going to because you, you don't want to do anything when you don't feel good. And getting our hair done, getting our nails done, that makes us feel good. And you always want to feel, and, and if you can't do the both of those, do what which one you want to do. But at least do something for yourself to say, you know what, I'm saving my money, but yet I'm actually taking care of myself too. That's And bonus. And if you have children, include that entertainment stuff. We are big movie buffs. So I'll put money aside for our movie nights. You know, if, if it's not at an actual movie theater, it's on Amazon Prime. Okay, cool. Let me um, save a little a coins for that, you know, so we can sit down and enjoy movie nights. Just everything that you do, let's put your money assignment, put an assignment to it, your money to it. And it will allow you to... Um, see where your money is going. There was one thing I know we're probably going to get into it. That is, um, what? How do we? What systems can we use to do that? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, again, Dave Ramsey, he's a really good guy, and I, I appreciate what he's doing for our communities uh, in the financial sector. One thing that he did do is he has a system called or an app. I think it's an app. Yeah, an app, on and online called Every Dollar. And that's one thing that I loved because I'm like, every dollar is accounted for. Every dollar is like a zero-based budget. I'm going to give you a little bit of financial terms today. So a zero-based budget is at the end of the day, it's your bottom line is zero. That means everything's allocated. Everything has enough. Everything has an assignment. 
versus having things left over. If you do have something left over, you can say, okay, well, since I have $100 left over, instead of me spending the $100, I'm going to go ahead and top that or pay off a debt. Mm. Pay off something that you've been, that $100 medical bill that you've been sitting sitting on. <laughs> pay that off that's affecting your credit score, you know. So it, it, it gives, gives you in your money and assignment for every expense and income. And then I just recently came across Truebill. Okay. Truebill is you, you connect all of your subscriptions because we don't know how many subscriptions we have coming out of our account. <laughs> Every time I see Apple come through, I be like, what else is it? Like, I mean, geez, between Apple and PayPal, I be like, and Amazon? Oh, my goodness. You know, so we see all this stuff coming out and we be like, man, Truebill, you connect those things to it and it shows you how many subscriptions you have coming out. So now you can manage those. Like, are we going to have Netflix or are we going to have FUBU? Are we going to have, um, we got so many streaming devices now. People don't have cable no more. We got streaming devices. But we say, well, cable's so expensive. But if you really think about it, we're probably spending the same amount on streaming services than we were on cable or satellite TV. So there's another area that we can reevaluate again every three to six months. Like, wait, I don't really use this. I don't really need that. Let's let's knock that out. So I, I've done it to my family. My, my son was like, Mommy, what happened to Peacock? Are you looking at it? No, ma'am. Okay, yeah, it's Peacock is gone, son. You know? <laughs> Like, I have gone on and subscribed to something that I just wanted to watch one thing. And now I'm subscribing to it and completely forgot that I'm paying that every month now. And that's so true. That's so true. Yep. Put it on your put it on your calendar. Put it, Give yourself a, a notification. Cancel such and such on this date. So And put a reminder on your phone so that you won't forget. You know, I've done that. I've actually said I I disconnected a service and kind of find out when I actually went and actually to subscribe to the service I already had it and been paying for three months and I was like oh I was mad because I'm like Keish come on sis get it together you know so that's one of the things that I, I those two things I suggest and if you're good in Excel Microsoft Excel or anything you can do the exact same thing you know income at the top expenses subtract income from expenses and that's what you have left or or what you don't have left so what about the people who say who who are listening that have you know okay I'm gonna start a budget but I have all this debt like my credit is bad I've got old debt that I've not paid off where do they start with that you know um the first start is admitting that you have the debt and looking at it, put the debt in front of you. Yes, on your credit report, we see it on your credit report, but no, 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 put it in front of you. I have these humongous sticky board papers on my wall in my office, and I have listed every single debt that I have and the amounts of those debts, and I do them in um, descending order, so the smallest to the largest, and and I work every day. I pay the minimums on everything, and I work to get the smallest one down. And they call that the debt snowball. Try to do a little bit at a time. And if you say, you know what, I'm going to do Uber. I'm going to do Uber 
eats or I'm going to drive Lyft or whatever, that extra money that you're getting, you know, have some for your, your household, but then the extra, put it towards that. And when you see yourself paying off one small, you get, you know, like, whew, I can scratch that off. I'm old school when it comes to that. Yes, I'm an Excel. I love Excel. I'm a nerd when it comes to that kind of stuff. But it's something about pen and paper and scratching something off and saying, you know what? I did that. I did that. And um, I can give you a perfect example. One year, this is pre-COVID, me and my husband, one, um, we didn't go to church on the New Year's Eve. We got, we went to the store, we got this big old cardboard and we listed all of our debt on that cardboard and the amount. And we put it on the back of our front door. So every time we left the house, we see what we are working for. We want to get this stuff paid off. And putting it before you, write the vision, make it plain so they that see it may run. That's what we got to do. We have to be able to, if we don't list it now, we don't write it down, we're going to forget. We ain't going to know what we have. So that's so important to write what you have down, put it in these, in, in small, from smallest to largest. It could be $100, be $50, whatever that is, and then work your way towards that. So that extra money that you have left over at, at the end of your budget, you know what, I got $100. Oh, I can pay off two things. And then, and what it will do is it will psychologically help you say, you know what, I'm about to knock that off. And as you and as you start to pay those things off, you will you will feel so much better about your life. And don't even look at your credit report. Like, get your credit report to pull the balances of said things. But after that, work towards paying those balances off. Call people. Hey, can I pay a rate? Call the people. Don't ignore the people, folks. Don't if you get those IRS notices, don't ignore them. <laughs> Not the IRS. There's two people I don't pay, but God and IRS. <laughs> They don't get theirs, you know. So call call your, you know, and if it even even your utilities. When I first got into our house, I called Georgia Power and was like, "Hey, what can we do here with this bill? Cause you know it's a little high." Well, they said we can do a flat rate. Oh, really? So they evaluate your your house usage based on what you use, and then they will give you a flat rate. So you pay one flat rate for the entire year, and they reevaluate you the next year. Right. Y'all turn them lights off. All of them. <laughs> in the air. Listen. Listen. <laughs> I've been there. Turn the lights off. Yes. Turn it in there. Turn it off. If you're in there, turn them off. Put a lamp on. Girl, I am that person that follows everybody around the house, flicking <laughs> lights off as you leave out of rooms. Flick, 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 and arguing. Did, are you in this room? Why is the light on? Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> turn the lights off. If you're not in there, turn it off. If you're in there, turn them off. Put a lamp on. You know? <laughs> Just some things that, you know, it's funny and we want to make it humorous, but but it's something that if we don't get it together, we're, we're going to be back in the same situations all over again. If we start, yes, it's a cycle. And not just us. If we think about it, if we don't manage our money correctly, think about our children and the generations after us. All they see is mommy, you know, spending money. <laughs> what are we teaching? What are we teaching? So when you counsel people, like I know people, you do like personal, for helping people get their personal finances together. What do you find um, 
in people because when I listen to you talk I feel like the root of a lot of this is just fear we don't want to look at our we, we're scared to look at it it's like it's so bad I don't even want to look at it but I think sometimes it may not be as bad as we think it is and I've been there I, it, and a lot of it is fear I don't I don't really want to see what it is but how are you going to fix it you know when you go to counseling do a therapy they start they go deep and a lot of the stuff that we're dealing with it may not be from us. It could be from generations before us and how our parents, how their grandpa- our grandparents handled money. So we have to come up to the plate and say, you know what? I'm killing this curse. I left all my credit cards. And I was like, all right, that's it. I was like, uh, nonsense. That ain't it. I had to write that six-figure student loan. And when I tell you my heart literally left where it was and went to my stomach but the reality hit it was like okay sis oh not only that you also have a mortgage and that is a a debt so it needs to go on the list you know so when you see you're like okay all right I gotta pick my big girl pants on and I gotta do what I gotta do you know but putting it before you I'm telling you it will literally change how you see it Put it in, again, smallest to largest. And you be like, man, I didn't realize I had that little debt right there. Pay it off. And it, and the stuff is just, it's just sitting on our credit report. And when we want to go buy a house, buy a car, buy another house, in good investment property, they're looking at us and be like, you ain't, what? You, you could have been paid it off. You could have been paid it off. So those are the things that um, I think that if we really sit down with our families, you know, if we're single, if we're single, get a, get an accountability partner, get a girlfriend that's going to help you get it together and be honest with you. Because we got friends, they were like, girl, go on buy that purse or girl, you know, yes, there's time to, to splurge. But then there's also times that, hey, sis, all right, you done did your, did your, little, your, your little time sit down and let's get these finances to order you know um and then even with our families our our husbands sit down with them let's let's make a plan together because what i do affects you and what you do affects me you know and then teach our children now how to manage their money so have you seen that in counseling where you're trying to help a couple like get in a budget like get their finances in order and the one spouse is a spender and the other spouse is a saver. And you can li- like literally look and see how this is why. How do you, because I know your job is to go in and just talk about the finances, but how do you address that when you know that I'm dealing with one person? They, they're not even on the same page about money, period. We did a small group on finances. And there was a couple of couples in there. One couple that was, they were on the same page and there was another couple that one was a spender and one was the saver. And um, I did that same situation with them. List, hey, sit down with your husband, sit down with the spender and say, hey, here's all of our expenses. Here's all of our debt. Here's what you spend. (laughs) How can we come together and change this? Because it's a, it's a togetherness. It's not one person doing it. It has to be a togetherness. So when we do, when they, when they did that, actually sit down and looked at everything, they was like, Miss Keisha, we, you are right. This, this, this is a lot. 
and I got to do my best. And it, and and then just say, hey, I don't mind you. I don't mind you spending, but spend within this parameter. You got a limit. This is what you can spend. You whatever you can use whatever that money you want to use it for, but do it, and then that way you're not affecting the household stuff. And then we can make sure that the debt is paid and things like that. You are listening to These Three Things Podcast, and we'll be right back. If you'd like to learn more about this episode and my guest, I got you covered. Go to my website, these3-things.com. Go to the podcast page and click on this episode. Yeah. Now, Nikisha, you, you talked about what we're teaching our children. And I think that's so important and so primary that we got to spend a moment talking about that. What can we do? Because a lot of us, you know, I think in the past probably 10, 15 years, black people have really started to realize what you said about generationally, what we've grown up seeing about our money and how the way my parents handled their money is a lot of the way I handle my money and the way they their parents handled it. And so we're passing down, you know, and then you see some families that they're sharp about their money. Everybody's on point and you look historically back and that's been taught along the way. So what can we do for my listeners who have young children uh, and for my listeners who even have older children and you're trying to get yourself together but really want to try to help your children when you know they've seen you not do so well financially, what can we do uh, to make sure that we're teaching our children at a young age to respect money, how to handle money, and uh, saving money and different things like that? Talk about that. So I would even say, I know a lot of us, we give our children allowances, even my son, we give him allowances, and his grandparents have given him allowances. And I say, you know what? I said, um, he says, Mommy, I want, I teach him how to save. So I say, he said, Mommy, I want um, for his birthday, which he may possibly, maybe, probably get it. He wants a, a PS5. He's good in school, you know, and all that. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, me and your daddy talk about that. I said, but in the meantime, how much does it cost? Because our children, if we don't show them how much things cost, they're going to assume that everything's free. Oh, mommy, daddy got it. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. No, no, no. How much does it cost? You have a phone, you got an iPad, you got a computer. Look it up. Oh, mommy, it costs $600. Okay. How much are you going to put toward your, towards your, your item that you want? Not to say they're going to pay all of it. How much are you going to put towards it? And he said, oh, okay, I, I can do $300. Okay. How are you going to get that $300? Mommy, can I help you in your office? Teaching them work ethic. Whether, whether that looks like for you. If you're a business owner and your kids are working for you, hey, you can shred these papers for me. Hey, you can do this. Or if they do get those allowances and they want different things, give them, teach them the envelope system. When they go out, to you go out to the stores, you got your envelope with you. So you can only spend what's in your envelope. That's a way to teach them budgeting, but not so direct, you know, because if we're too harsh on them, they're going to, it's going to be a turnoff. But we say, hey, this is your envelope to spend. You can spend it on whatever you want in your envelope. If you doesn't, if you don't have enough, then you can't get it. 
And then at the end of the day, you can say, hey, so how did it feel not to get what you wanted? I didn't like that feeling. So that's why we have to save our money. When we get the extra money, you got to put it in your in your bucket, in your savings account, in your savings, and then set some side for you for your, your time that you want to go shopping. I think when we do things like that, that will help them understand um, that, okay, I, I have to understand the, the, that things cost money and I have to have money to, to money runs the world, period. <laughs> so everything costs something. The only thing that's free is salvation. So we, it's going to cost you to get gas. It's going to cost you to get groceries. It's going to cost you. So why not teach our children that now? I think what I noticed in my generation, because we're about 10 years apart, is that my generation was the generation where we were all like, we're going to go out and get educations. We're going to go out here and make money. And I came up, I had a job when I was 14 years old. I was just telling a friend of mine that the other day. I had a job when I was, because I've always been a tall girl. So at 14, I just lied and said I was 16. You know, back then they didn't check stuff. You know, they just let you work. I was working at 14 at this little steakhouse called Western Sizzling. I don't even know if Western Sizzling still exists. Do they still exist? Okay. That's a shame. It's been around. That's not long ago. I was 14 years old and I was working. And, you know, my parents taught us that y'all gonna have to work for what you want. And me and daddy, me and your daddy make money and we're going to make sure y'all live well and have a nice place to stay. But you're going to have to work for those extra things that you want. So I grew up having a work ethic. I'll never forget. I was 16, Nikisha, and I was working at Burger King. And I remember, um, and nothing wrong for those of you who work at Burger King. I, let me just say that to begin with, because I don't want to feel like I'm downing anybody, because right now we are in a recession. Work is work is work. And if Burger King is your second job, if it's helping you take care of what you need to take care of, then by all means do it. I just remember working at Burger King, and it was this man who used to come and get his coffee every morning. He was so rude. He was so just like we were beneath him because we worked at Burger King. And like this was, you know, he came in a really nice car. He wore a suit every day, you know, just one of those types. And I remember how I used to feel when I served him. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to let this basketball thing take me to college because I'm not going to be working uh, and have to deal with people like him. Little did I know you're going to deal with those people wherever you are, no matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter if you're a Burger King or in the corporate office, but uh, it made me decide to go to college is my point. And I'm thinking that part of what I learned from working at such a young age was that I began to look at the world around me and see how different people live based on the choices that they make. And so I feel like what happened was because my parents made gave me and my sisters a work ethic that when we all got older and got educated and got degrees, we somehow started to give to our kids things that we didn't make them work for, you know. Yeah, because we want to give them the things that we, you know, we knew we had to work at a young age and, you know, get the things that we wanted. But now that I'm making good money, I don't want my kids to have to do it. I want my kids to be like, you know, yeah. And I think that we have to look back and understand that the work ethic that was instilled in us, making us have to work for the things that we want is part of how we made it. That is. It is. I was one of those. I, even though we're we're only we're 10 years apart, I started working at 15. My senior year, I was working, jun- actually junior year, I was working at Kmart, big Kmart. And I wanted a phone. I wanted a pager. 
you know, back in the days when pagers were it, you know, I wanted a pager, I wanted a cell phone, I wanted all that stuff. And my parents was like, well, we don't have it. You know, we, we don't have it. So I'm like, okay, well, that's cool. Well, I'm gonna work for it. And I worked for what I wanted. Now, granted, when I got my first check, it was a culture shock because I was like, well, what, what, where my money at? Who, and who is FICA? And why they take my money? You know, so stuff like that. So if they learn that now, it won't be, again, a culture shock when they get older. Like, whoa, what is this? I didn't know this existed teach them now so that they know you know oh, all right that's that's what that is all right cool so anyways I gotta work a little bit extra so I can get a little bit more and then so yeah I am definitely one of the proponents of teaching our children now the work it, it costs it costs money to do things so you gotta work to get the money to do things that you want and I find that, you know, some of my friends, that was so hard, like letting their kids go get a job. Like, I don't want them to work. I want them to just be regular kids. And, you know, in the coaching world, I saw it from the perspective of me working all those little jobs from the time I was 14 to the time I graduated high school. Uh, it taught me work ethic just in general. And then being a being an athlete taught me how to push myself now what I found is is that when I you know in the coaching world when I get your 17 or 18 year old kid as a freshman after about the first six months I know how much as a parent you have given you have made this kid do anything because the kids who are struggling that first six months of school they're struggling with getting up in the morning they're struggling with preseason conditioning they're struggling with going to class and getting to class on time they tanked out in practice every day it's because you let your kid just lay around and do what they want to do outside of play basketball they didn't have a work ethic you never made them get a job you never made them extend themselves in such a way that by the time they got to college this ain't that hard like I mean it's hard but I can do it because I've got some base on me and so you know, that's some advice I think that is good for us to just offer. And I'm at the mind now, and this is just, I'm, I'm speaking frankly for Nakisha Jones and the Jones family, is I'm not making my son go to school, but I am making him work. Because if you, if you don't, well, he's going to go to school because he wants to be, a, he wants to be the president of the United States. So, so he already had a plan, like he has a plan on what he already at nine of what he needs to do. Got to go to college, got to gotta run for governor, got to run, you know, do all this stuff. So he he has it. So my thing is, OK, I don't want you to be lazy either. So a part of the household duties and for you to get time on your iPad and Xbox and all this stuff, the room needs to be clean. The bathroom needs to be clean. You need to get up in the morning when it's time for us to get up, go to school, you know. So if he does all those things, then, yes, we will give you time. We will give you the stuff that you want. But, it, again, it's requiring them to work. Maybe not a physical labor, but it requires you to do something. And you're not going to lay around my house all day. Not going to happen unless everything is done. If that's the case, go for it, you know. And But he has, again, he has a botanical boy plant business. And he sells plants. He he pots them. He he buys them. I will, along with my husband, they they pot them. They he takes care of them. He gets up. He orders the plants, and he I built them a website. So now so he so now he gets out. Oh, okay, I gotta order the plants. I gotta, you know. So that gives him some um, some work ethic in that in that regard. And, 
in a mind about business. So if he gets older, he's like, you know what, mommy, I really don't see college in my kid. And he may change. He may not want to be the president anymore. He may say, I want to run my own business. Brother, I'll be your first investor. You know, I will, whatever I got to do to get you there, mommy's going to do, daddy's going to do. So invest in our kids in whatever way we can, but also make them work <laughs> make them do something and again if it's not an actual job make them do something i am i feel like this conversation to me <clears throat> excuse me just listening to us talk is for me the evolution of us the evolution of black people and the choices that we're choosing to make because when i was young nakisha it was all about go to college get a degree and to be honest with you it was all about going to a predominantly white institution because the education was going to be better there for us and we're going to have better opportunity coming out of that and so that's what we were all told when i was young and not going to college was not an option you know now fast forward to this generation all of us who have children, all of my friends, all of my peers who went to predominantly white schools are all, first of all, sending their kids to black institutions. We're all sending our kids to HBCUs. And then, to boot, my son goes to college and then comes home after when COVID happened and said, I'm not going back to school. Now, my first, now the, the young me who grew up, well, you got to go to college because we black folks and we got to get educations, is now doing exactly what you said about your son. I'm having, I had to take a step back, Nikisha, and look and say, okay, you know what? This is his life. I can't, you know, in my mind, I may think this is what's best for him, but I could be totally wrong. So my prayer changed from the things that I wanted for my son to God to be more about help me help him become who you've called him to be. And not, not me having my desires and praying my desires for him to you. Help me. Whatever thing it is that he decides to go into, you know, help me to be the support that he needs, to be the encouragement that he needs, because there's a lot of ways to be successful. And it doesn't have to be going to college and, like you said, racking up a six-figure student loan debt that you're going to be saddled with. To, you know, we can't even get to life because we still got to deal with the fact that we had to pay for this. So I feel you. And I think that that's so good for us in the black community to give ourselves that freedom to understand that success is not going to be totally built on just going to college. There's many ways to be successful. And as long as we support our, our families, our kids, you know, those in our, you know, our nieces and nephews, they can still be successful because there's a lot of, you know, people from other cultures who have no degrees that are out here living and doing major things. So I think it's so good that you said that. Okay. Last thing I want to close on this because I know you work um, with the church, our church, Hope City, in Savannah, Georgia, y'all come visit Pastor Corey and Tamika Williams. Come on, y'all. Come through. <laughs> Let's talk about tithing. When you are helping people part with their personal finances, do you address tithing? How do you feel about tithing? Or you leave that up to, in, to the individuals? And, and also, too, I'm going to throw this question in, too, and you can answer in whichever order you want. What are your beliefs about tithing? My beliefs for tithing have changed um, because I now believe in generously giving versus being pushed to give. Um, and I feel like even if you're ever at Hope City and you know this as a fact, that hey 
this is time to give give what you would like to give you have our plat giving platforms there is no push to give the majority of all of our giving is done throughout the throughout the week you know um it's just those that come in and um but my initially i grew up in you know you are supposed to pay 10% of your giving of your income that's period point blank and i still believe that we are supposed to give a portion of our 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 what we earn um give it to god but as he has blessed us so what does that look for everybody that doesn't look like that doesn't look the same for everybody and um i had to kind of unlearn a lot of what i used to hear and now i'm able i even give more than just that because god has blessed me more than just that amount you know what i'm saying and um so i believe in generously giving and tithing um really yes he wants he wants us to trust him with our funds without what he what he's given us and however that can also be your time you know um even those that are not christians give and they give generously you know so i i I believe in generously giving and i believe that um when you realize that you know i really didn't i wouldn't have what i have if it wasn't for him and I think that takes me to the um, the Creflo Dollar situation, right? I don't really get into a lot of the hoopla on social media. I just don't. I don't. I didn't. I seen it. I didn't even read it. I was just like, whatever. And then I actually took a listen, and I was like, wow, wow. And. Uh, a part of what Creflo Dollar is saying for those that, and this is my view, this is my point of view. I could be totally wrong, and y'all can go in the comments and say anything. But, but this is my view of what he said, because I, I've, I got a lot of, I've seen a lot of feedback, pastors, and you know, oh yeah, this is my thoughts. What he did was he had to unlearn some of the things that he himself was teaching about tithing and giving and specifically tithing um and he went back and basically scrutinized his own teaching on tithing who does that who what church what church who says they're going to buy land does a campaign for land doesn't get the land and gives the people back their money that gave towards the land who does that so that's because you as a as a church if we have to think about that as churches we're like if we say we're going to do something and we put it before the people we got to do it you got to do it and if we don't do it, give the people an option to say, hey, you want your money back or you want to put it towards another project? Let them have, because guess whose money it is? Who funds the church? The members. 
So what Creflo Dollar did and what he said, I was like, wow. He literally unlearned. He he took everything that he was, throw them away. He said, throw all his books away. The money, the stuff that he, throw it away because it wasn't right. It wasn't biblically, biblically sound. And that now we really, we really should be giving generously. Giving generously and not just a tenth. If you want to give a tenth, please continue giving your tenth. But give generously. Give and that's and that's what I that's what I heard. That's what I heard. I didn't hear him saying that you don't need to be tithing no more. That's not what I heard. I heard him say, if you want to continue doing tithing the way that you've always been doing tithing continue to do it such way as for me and Tammy (laughs) we will give generously and I I applaud him I applaud him for being courageous and having a courageous conversation with himself and then turning around and saying that to his congregation and saying you know what (laughs) bro man was wrong I was wrong, and this is what I'm going to do to fix it. And if I get the re- repercussions of that, oh, well, I'm going to do better now. Let's talk about, now see, you and I did not talk about what you thought about that or what I thought about that. This is the first time we're having a discussion about this, and I had no idea what you were going to come in here and say, but I'd already said that, you know what, I'm going to listen to Nikisha's, you know, thoughts on it, and then I'm going to say what I actually thought about it. First of all, I couldn't agree with you more. But let me just say this, for someone who has a ministry as large as Creflo Dollar to get on national television and tell you I'm wrong, throw all it away. From what I understand now, um, that was that was Old Testament. That was we're not still held to that. Um And all that he said, and for those of you who have not gone and looked at it, because I'm not a big, you know, I don't do that either. I'm not, I only went and looked just like you said, because everybody was talking about the whole tithe. I'm like, what did Creflo say? I like Creflo. I think he's, you know, been a pretty good guy. Let me go see what he said. Before he ever said that, all the years that I had been tithing, I had thought that. I'm like, so let me understand. So before Christ, we were under the law. But when Christ, when Jesus came, We are no longer under the law in so many things. But why are we still being held to the law with tithing? I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me. But because I was brought up in that and you give 10 percent, I'm like, I ain't going to, you know, I'm going to just do what I've been told to do. But to hear a pastor who could stand to lose as much as Creflo Dollar could stand to lose, he could have figured that out and the kept it to himself. Being bold enough to come before people and say I'm wrong, especially about money. When, you know, these mega churches are being accused on a big scale about all y'all care about is money. Absolutely. Now, all these people, he, and I'm sure his ministry has some people who are making a lot of money mm-hmm. in his ministry. To tell them that, no, I don't need you, you know, you don't have to give 10%. Give, as you said, generously. Because the truth of the matter is, God is judging our hearts. And so in my heart, if I am, you know, you know, apprehensively, tithing 10% every week or two weeks or whenever I get paid. He knows my heart. 
But when I am coming in church and I am giving because I know you blessed me, because I know you opened a door, because I know you made a way, and I'm giving to you from that space, that means more to him than if you're making $2 million a week and you're coming in and tithing off $2 million a week, but you like, mm, every time you do it. And so I got it. And I listened to some of my friends go off on Facebook about, listen, you better do what you've learned and keep giving your 10 percent. And I love that he left left it to say, and if you still feel like you should do that, then do it. But I'm here to tell you that you're under grace, honey. And some of y'all are giving more than you can. You're capable of giving right now. And you're hurting yourself financially because you're under some law that you're no longer being held to. And so. I love the fact that he had uh, he had it in him to just come openly and say that because, you know, his finances could tank at his ministry. And I'm sure that was a consideration before he came out and said, it. like, OK, these people, this, I got some, you know, uh, true convicted tithers up in here that's been given this to kept this ministry going by me saying this. Is this going to affect our bottom line? But at the end of the day, I think any time that you're coming forward with truth, God going to cover you and backed up with scripture yes. because he backed everything up that he said with, 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 with scripture and he did the scripture. I can't think of it now, but um, not giving re- reluctantly, yes. which meaning, meaning giving cause you don't want to right. don't, don't do it. Sis. If you don't want to don't <laughs> again, we're under grace. He is still going to cover you. He's still going to protect you. You are his child. You know, he's done that. And then being condemned for not when therefore there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. So that and, and again, it opened my eyes. I was like, OK, I'm still going to give, but I'm going to give how God has blessed me to give and not reluctantly. Lord, you this is your money. I'm going to give God what's due to him. Hey, Queens, I thought that was a perfect place to end this episode with Nikisha Jones on minding your budget. And we'll be right back with these three things. Hey, Queens, thanks for listening to these three things podcast. If you enjoy what you're hearing today, I encourage you to go to whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on and leave a review and tell me what you loved about this episode. Hey, we're back. I'm Sharon Reeves. I'm with Nikisha Jones. And it is time for these three things. Number one, honesty. Lakeisha says something that I think is pivotal for us to do when it comes to getting on a budget and getting our money right. We have to get honest with ourselves about how we handle our money. We have to get honest about how we view our money and where those views come from and what we're going to do about changing things. I can't think of one person I know who likes to be lied to. So why do we lie to ourselves about our money? I'm going to dip into my savings to buy these shoes because they on sale. And girl, these shoes ain't never on sale. But when I get paid, I'm going to put it back. Is that you? I'm going to charge this vacation on my credit card. And I'm just going to pay a little bit every month. And then when I get my taxes, I'm just going to pay it all off. Is that you? 
I'm going to let them borrow this money for the last time. And if they don't pay me back, I'm done. And they haven't paid you back the last five times you gave them money. What's that saying? You can't change what you won't acknowledge. Go ahead and get honest about it, sis, because the truth is going to set you free. It's time out for living paycheck to paycheck. We own building generational wealth now. So freedom is what you need. Indeed. Number two. Acceptance. Now, Queens, I know it feels like I just gave you a good old fashioned butt whooping with number one. But I like to think of it as more of a sister to sister wake up call. I know firsthand how disappointing it can be when you get real about your money and realize how much further along you could be. Hey, you're not the only one who got a credit card in your 20s and didn't know how to act. And you're not the only one who wanted to look fly at work every day and drive your Lexus, Benz, or Beamer. You're not the only one who feels behind. Listen. We can't go back and fix the past, but what we can do is accept our mistakes, forgive ourselves, and do better. Lakeisha gave us her personal example of how she budgeted her own family's money. Give yourself seven days to gather up all of your financial responsibilities, aka your bills, and follow Lakeisha's steps and get started. Accept the past and let it go. You're now on your way to a prosperous future. I'm proud of you, queen. You got this. Number three, discipline. Hello, queens. My name is Discipline, and I am what you'll need to stay focused with your budget and start sowing smart seeds. Nobody really likes me in the beginning because I can put them to the test, but they're quick to shout me out when my results keep them blessed. I'm useful for more than just money. I help people keep weight off, grow spiritually, excel in their careers, and a whole host of things. Most people finally realize they need me when they're not accomplishing anything. So take me with you on this journey. I'll help you get things tight. Because won't nobody be able to tell you nothing when you get your money right. Love, discipline. All right, queens. I love number three. Number three is tough, though. Discipline is not playing games. Our next episode will be on September 20th. If you remember, the first five episodes of season four will be on a bi-weekly basis. Be sure to stay in touch with These Three Things podcast through our socials on Facebook at These Three Things P, on Instagram at These Three Things podcast, on Twitter at These Three Things podcast. And you can also visit my website at these3-things.com.